cultures may have lots in common. Yet remember, two magnets with the same polarity do not stick together. They say that differences are dangerous, yet seven stripes on the same color will never make a rainbow. Don't be deceived by similarities, but don't focus too much on the differences. Devil is in the details. Same but different series aims to show what national cultures have in common, what makes them different, and how both the similarities and differences influence the way we do business. It seems like bragging and showing off aren't welcome in their society. Your involvement and loyalty could even be prioritized over benchmarks. It's all right, don't worry, we'll transfer it to the next print, no, no pressure. Time to market for the Americans, for example, has to be minimal. Can you imagine that they're still using SVN instead of Git on some of their projects nowadays? No wonder they are called the most sustainable region in the world. Don't rush with your fresh ideas to implement changes. I don't think trust could be given as a credit. This is where we can actually see similarities with the Americans. Then, one day, we got into the office to find out that our developer had no longer access to the project and tracking system practically everything. Just assuming that taking actions without putting your product owner in the picture would be enough. everyone and welcome! Today we are talking about doing business with folks from Nordic cultures. My name is Juliana and I have been a Subservian since 2011. Over the years my areas of expertise have varied from English language to communication, DI, language coaching and culture. Being an amateur food blogger, I believe that talent seasoned with hard work, just a pinch of skepticism and a handful of passion will open any door. Today with Natalia, a senior project manager who've worked with over three years with Swedish and Danish clients, we will discuss the Nordic people's fascinating world and how developing cultural intelligence can help you build a successful collaboration with them. Thanks for joining us, Natalia. Hi everyone, thanks for inviting me, Ioana. For me, you know, it's such a brilliant opportunity to turn back to the good old times when I worked with Swedish and Danish clients and share some insights I got during that period with the listeners of our podcast. Natalia, it feels like you are a bit Danish when it comes to introducing yourself. Oh, do you mean humbleness and talking about my accomplishments? Uh, yeah, you know, it even reminds me of Carlsberg's slogan, which gently undercuts the compliment, probably the best beer in the world. Uh, in fact, I'd say I observed similar humbleness when the Danish clients were introducing themselves. It seems like bragging and showing off aren't welcome in their society. Hmm, right you are, being humble is prevalent across Nordic region. Natalia, if you think of the Swedish culture, what are the first associations that come to mind? Speaking of mind, for example, the first one is Hyuga, that is cozy environment around you, and perhaps Fika, which is coffee time with homemade cookies and chit-chat. How about business? Uh, right, working on a Swedish project, we did have Fika, meaning tea or coffee time with some cookies or pastry. 
Uh, later on, we even adopted that tradition as our own. Um, I must admit that it was quite hard for us to have not work-related chit-chat. So now what we did reminds me more of a Q&A session with uh, C management um, and work-related discussions over some tea. Uh, for example, from the business perspective, the first thing that comes to my mind is seeking stability in the workplace and welfare in personal life. Um, I worked on one Danish project where on average employees had stayed with the company uh, for over nine years. Can you imagine that QA and the developer from our side had been working there for nine years at that time? Our clients had been with the company for about 20 years. I could feel special respect for that loyalty. The specialist preferred to evolve within one organization. Uh, they did switch career direction occasionally, but at the same time stayed loyal to the company for years. I even remember, you know, celebrating the 30th birthday of that product. There was a cake with number 30 on it, video conference with our Danish colleagues, and a very warm atmosphere. Uh, by the way, now, just a funny fact uh, that I faced during... Um, I faced difficulties uh, ordering a cake delivery in Denmark because of the rainy weather. The delivery service said they would deliver my order when the rain finishes. Wow, really? Can't believe it. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. And what you said before actually resonates a lot with what we know about consensus-driven society. The emphasis is placed on the process, quality of work, ability to sustain the pace, reaching agreement. Your involvement and loyalty could even be prioritized over benchmarks. Uh, indeed, consensus has always been a priority. Uh, for instance, uh, in case we weren't able to deliver some of the feature or components in time, uh, having listened to our reasoning, our Swedish product owner always responded, like, it's all right, don't worry, we'll transfer it to the next print, no, no pressure. Uh, moreover, I can tell you that the release schedule for that project was much more relaxed. We released every three months, at time even every six months. Uh, comparing with the American culture, it's like night and day. I sometimes even think that Scrum was invented specially for them. Right, even more, it wasn't just created for them. It's actually a product of American mindset which reflects our values. Oh. I never thought of it like that. Uh, however, you know, working with different cultures does stand out. Uh, time to market for the Americans, for example, has to be minimal since business is competition-driven. I would even say that for them, the speed of production comes before the quality itself. Uh, the Swedish and the Danish, on the other hand, have something of a family-style business. They have loyal clients, people who have been with them for years, even decades, and they know that their product is already popular and in demand, and it will be purchased for sure. That's the reason why quality comes first for them. Right. U.S. culture is well known for being focused on achievement, sometimes overachievement even, and competition. Quality of the product would often have less priority than the speed of delivery. Going back to stability, though, would you say Scandinavians need it when it comes to technical solutions as well? Uh, definitely. There is a tendency to work with their thing uh, while it's functioning. 
without changing or innovating unnecessarily. That's about old source code systems. Can you imagine that they're still using SVN instead of Git on some of their projects nowadays? Ah, moreover, there is a stability in processes. That's about meetings which I usually set up once and for years. For example, working on a Danish project, we only had a meeting once a week, and that's something that had been decided at the initial stages and we followed that tradition. Once a week, you got a chance to talk, discuss, ask, um, then the team worked completely on their own for the rest of the week. I even may have a recommendation for our listeners. Uh, when you join the ongoing Danish project, try to be careful and curious. Ask questions. Why does it work this way? How was it built? And so on. Don't rush with your fresh ideas to implement changes before you consult with your Danish counterparts. Just keep in mind that sustainability of the solutions tend to be prioritized. No wonder they are called the most sustainable region in the world. They do take climate change seriously, tackle the issue of environmental footprint, and so on. Natalia, all the observations you are sharing make me think that you've managed to build trustful relationships with your Nordic clients. What helped you find the right approach? I don't think trust could be given as a credit, uh, especially if you haven't worked with this client before and they don't know you. Let me give you an example. Uh, it was our first time working with that particular client, and they put us in charge of just one component, which was user management. Uh, basically, it was one microservice. And only after we had established the trust by showing our commitment and the quality of performance, uh, they let us in on more components. A year later, we were in charge of 30 of them. So, commitment and delivery is what matters when it comes to building trust. Prioritizing tasks sounds a lot like individualistic culture. This is where we can actually see similarities with the Americans. Uh, indeed, the level of trust increased when we showed by the example of one microservice that we had sufficiently good expertise to deliver the task. We showed that we could make professional decisions, though transparent in our communication. Moreover, now we shared access to all the documentation with the product owner, eliminating the risk that there is only one knowledge keeper. Building trust with the Danish is all down to transparency. When offering a technical solution, it's highly likely you'll succeed if you genuinely care how you offer to match their understanding of the product, how much you demonstrate openness to collaboration and having a discussion being integrated with them. I really like it when you share your first-hand experience. Could I ask you to give another example when the Swedish were particular about having discussions? Hmm. Let me think. Off the top of my head, there was a Swedish project where the team spent the whole year planning the architecture of their solution, leaving only you know, six months for UI, UX design and implementation. Uh, they came to us with half-baked backend and with no clue what UI should look like. And we made it happen, since the hardware rollout had been announced and software had to be ready on that certain date. This case, in fact, illustrates how the opinion of every engineer matters and is listened to. Therefore, it might take a while to take a decision. The expectation of implementation, on the other hand, is that it will be done quite fast. 
when you are saying that opinion of everyone matters, does it apply to feedback given as well? What I learned about feedback uh, is that it has to be taken seriously. Uh, for instance, uh, on one of my Swedish projects, as a project manager, I received feedback on one of our developers' performance, saying that he was not completely transparent, commenting on his English, which wasn't good enough for communication. Uh, having received that message, my instinct was to start working it through with the team member gradually, step by step, since such skills need time to be improved. I have to admit that given the soft and polite manner of the feedback and the phrasing was, we are missing this, we'd like that, we don't quite see enough of the following. I didn't assume it was a critical case and was dealing with it without any rush or sense of urgency. Uh, then one day we got into the office to find out that our developer had no longer access to the project and tracking system, practically everything. Uh, in further correspondence, our Swedish uh, client explained that social awareness and politeness in communication was critical and they didn't want to compromise. Wow, thank you for this example. It just perfectly illustrates how individualistic cultures respect your right to take action without imposing their own agenda. With hindsight, what would you recommend to yourself? Well, that's a good question. Uh, I would say that even a seemingly slight inconvenience needs your attention as a project manager. Uh, what I mean, you need to return to your customer with a suggested list of action items. Keeping a plan in your head won't benefit anyone. You need to communicate it very clearly that you are committed to taking actionable steps. What a valid point you have made about the importance of communicating rather than just assuming that taking actions without putting your product owner in the picture would be enough. Communication is a key. As long as you communicate, any culture clash, minor or major, could be overcome. Thank you, Natalia. And what three things about working with Nordic clients would you leave our listeners with? Well, uh, what comes to my mind immediately is this. Uh, first, listen to their feedback attentively and react actively, in some cases even proactively, even if it doesn't quite sound critical. Uh, second, um, attempt to build a long-term and family-style relationship where you feel comfortable sharing. And finally, try to avoid cutting to the chase. Take your time to learn how the system works and then gradually introduce changes. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, it will work for any project. However, you will feel at once how strongly this relates to Nordic cultures. 